0: To read in the book of the Acts, please. Acts in chapter 8. Nice to see everybody who's here tonight. It's good for us to be here as well. We're going to read Acts chapter 8 and beginning at verse 26. We're going to read a, a fairly long. Paragraph here, it's a a story, so just bear with us. Acts 8 and verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and like a lamb, as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now thank you for bearing with that lengthy reading. I'd like to follow on with what our brother has been bringing before us, and I'd like to look at this story of the day this Ethiopian man was saved. We don't know his name. We know where he was from. We know what he did for work. And we know a few details about him, but I'd like to look at the story of the day where he found that this condition that he was in, that Johnny has been bringing before us so forcefully, he found the answer and he was saved. What I've been trying to look at, I hope to look at this week, is one of the gr- great things about the gospel. Not just that it's true. Not just that it's true. That is amazing and that is fundamental and foundational. It's true. But it transforms lives. Truth is not something dry, drab, dusty, dead. Truth is dynamic. It transforms lives. There are people here today, and you would never have been in a gospel meeting were it not for the fact and the day and the moment when your life was changed by the truth. And that's what happened to this man. His life was totally changed by the truth. I have broken down this message into just a few pieces. I want to talk to you about the preacher sent. I want to talk to you about a treasurer spent and the scriptures dent. A preacher sent. The treasurer spent. And the scriptures dent. You can remember that, hopefully. The preacher who was sent, it was this man, Philip. And Johnny and I and, and, and anybody who preaches the gospel would know quite a bit about Philip. Despite the many different men who preach the gospel in the Bible. As far as I know, Philip's the only one who's called the evangelist. Philip, the evangelist. And so anybody who wants to preach the gospel can, can start looking at what Philip did, where he went, how he responded to God. What message did he carry? Philip the evangelist. He was a, as far as human ways of looking at it, Philip was a very successful evangelist. The Bible tells us that he went to the city called Samaria, and he was preaching the gospel to the people in this city. And as he's preaching the gospel, many people, it says multitudes of people, hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, believed and were saved, and he was doing very well. Many, of course, it was God who was saving them, but just from the outward ex- uh, opinions of men Philip was doing well and all of a sudden God tells Philip arise get up Philip go to this desert road arise and go now you imagine you imagine you're in a place and you're doing well and people are responding and you feel really useful here and all of a sudden God just says now now get up and go And Philip, now this is the critical thing about an evangelist, he obeyed God. He got up and he went. Remember a man coming to Jackson and he told me, well, he told all of us there, he said, you know, Philip, he was sendable and he was dependable and he was bendable and he was expendable. (laughs) Philip, go. And he gets up. And he goes. Now, what's the big point about that? Johnny has read some very solemn words to you tonight. No man, no man seeks after God. But I want to tell you, there's a God seeking after men. Philip, there's one man from Ethiopia. Get up. Go. One man, not a great crowd of people, thousands of people in the desert road. Just one man. But and Philip wasn't even told that he was just told to get up and go. You know, God is a God who loves individuals. God is a God who loves just one man. Maybe Johnny and I are here in Stark Road for one boy. Maybe it's you. Maybe we're here for one girl. Just one man. And as you study the, the transforming power of the gospel, and you look at the cases in, in the Bible, there's just one man, there's just one jailer in the cell, right? and, the, and the, there's just one man up in a tree, and there's just one man who's traveling away from his home. you know here, if you go through Acts nine and Acts eight, nine and 10, you have this Ethiopian man he's gone away from home to Jerusalem and now he's going back home, and that's where he was saved. He was saved going back home. You go to Acts 9, and there's another man. He saved leaving his home. You go to Acts 10, and there's another man, and he saved in his home. God saves people anywhere, everywhere, all the time. God is not bound. God can save you right there. Right there here tonight. One man. And so Philip is sent because God is seeking God is seeking after people. God wants people to understand this X-ray of their lives so He can point them to the perfect cure. and He's seeking after people. The other thing that this man, Philip would have known when he met, when he met this eunuch, this Ethiopian man, is that God is not limited in his seeking to a specific group of people. You know that was a big thing that was going on in that day. Big controversy. God only wants to take the gospel to this specific ethnic group, this specific area, and lo and behold, Philip comes down to the desert and there's an Ethiopian man. Oh, He would have been way different. He would have spoke a different language. He would have looked a little bit different, but that's the man who God was trying to reach. You see, God is a God, as this verse says, as you've looked at it probably every night you've been here, God is a God who loves the world. He loves the world, every man and woman, every boy and girl. God so loved the world. And so the preacher who was sent, Philip. As you come further down the story, you find a treasurer who was spent. This Ethiopian man, he, he was a treasurer for the queen. He had a really good job. If you were alive in that day, you would have wanted his job. He had a lot of money. He was responsible for a lot of money. He had a lot of influence over people. He was just the treasurer for the queen herself. Um, He had fame, prestige. When he would stand up, people would listen to him. He wasn't an unknown man. He was a very influential, respected, prestigious, famous, successful man. And yet, this man spent. He hasn't found the answers for, for life in treasure. He hasn't found the answers for having the best job, to climbing the the social ladder to the highest point. There's no answers. Secretary of treasury of the queen. But he's nothing there. But this man is searching for answers. So he goes to Jerusalem. Now that was a good place, they thought, to go for answers. That was where God and the things about God were there. That's where you would learn about God. And so he's traveling there to Jerusalem on his chariot. You know what the problem was? Jerusalem was just filled with just all the little lists of rules and things that you have to wear and the way you have to pray and and sacrifices that you have to do and food that you have to eat and it was just a list of rules it was just religion religion and so this man he's journeying to Jerusalem and he comes back he comes back empty religion will never satisfy the heart of man Some people have had to learn that a very hard way. They've tried it. They've gone down to the finest list of rules. Johnny was telling us last night of a monk, a German monk, and he's trying to find an answer in religion. And my, he is a miserable case. My, he should be in the hospital I work at when I read his story. He is clinically depressed, and he should just be off the streets. He's not safe for people. Religion does not satisfy the heart. There is no list of rules. And and the gospel message is not about taking a list of doctrines and saying, okay, the depravity of man. We are sinners. Christ is substitute. God is sovereign. And you just say, yep, 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 yep. Saved. No, that's not salvation. Salvation is depending on a person. And that's what we'll learn. He preached unto him. Jesus. But anyway, I'm going too fast. (laughs) The treasurer was spent. He could not find his answer in religion. And he could not find his answer in the wealth and success and influence of this world. And I have to tell you today, there is no answer in those things. Many of you who we are burdened about and actually here for, who are here tonight, you're very young. Younger people. And maybe as you look down the hallway of your life and the job that you want and the house that you want and the list that you have of who you want to marry... (laughs) And, and, and all these things, maybe you see a life of great success and you see a really beautiful home. And maybe you see a life where you'll have influence one day. I'm going to tell you that without Christ, that life will just be so empty. It will be like this bubble that just pops. There is nothing to it. People have tried. There's nothing to that kind of life. And here's a treasurer with all his success, and he's spent. He's spent because the answer, the great need of his heart, the need of his sin, has never been met by any of these things. But then, oh, I tell you, there's good timing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's good timing. Can't you see Philip? He's running down the desert, and he's running as fast as he can. And you're telling Philip, now, Philip, you better get there. Because if you don't get there at this chapter, and he goes down the road a few chapters later, and you're going to have to explain, you know, the one stone in the brook of wherever, that's not going to be a very good verse to start with. You you better run, Philip. Isaiah 53, you better get there. And he's running. But don't go too fast now. You don't want to get there too early either. So it's just perfect pace, Philip's running. And there's a chariot, and here's a man. He got one good thing at Jerusalem. Well, whether he got it at Jerusalem or whether he had it from Ethiopia, I'm not sure. But he had one good thing. He had Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah. And here's an interesting thing. You know, we in, in our society, in the Western society, we make excuses. I talk to younger Christians all the time, and I, I just can't read my Bible. I can hardly read a chapter. Maybe I can read Psalm, Psalm 1, Psalm 23. Nothing wrong with that. Here's an Ethiopian man, and he's 53 chapters in to the prophecy of Isaiah in one chariot ride. 53 chapters? Fifty three chapters in one chariot ride. Why? He's searching. He's searching for something to satisfy. And he's reading the verses about we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. He's reading verses like, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though our, sk- our sins are like scarlet, they could be as white as snow. He's reading all these verses in Isaiah. He's reading verses like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And all of a sudden, he comes to this chapter, Isaiah 53. Wow. And he begins to read. And just right then, there's a sprinting preacher (laughs) right beside his chariot. And he's reading. And they say in those days, maybe they read out loud. And so this is what he's reading. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And the Lord tells the preacher, Go, join yourself to that chariot. And so Philip runs. He hears him reading this this part. And Philip then asks a really good question. He says, Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand? You know what you'd learn about this man from Ethiopia? He was honest. I don't understand. How can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? One thing that you'll find, both in the Bible and in any true conversion that happens today, is when a person is saved, they become honest with God. They're honest. They're no longer, I do understand everything. I know everything about salvation. I know exactly what I have to do. God brings them down and down and down until they finally come. I don't understand. I'm lost, I'm in the dark, I'm in my sin, I don't know what the answer is for my sin. And that's when God can tell a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, about the answer, his answer for sin. And so he says, how can I, except somebody explains it with him. And so he invites Philip. Philip, come up here and sit with me. So Philip comes up, he reads the passage, and he says, okay, here's the passage. The passage that I'm reading says this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter." He was like a lamb, dumb before his shear. He opened out his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And he turns to the preacher and he says, Preacher, is the prophet talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? You know, it's a good thing Philip knew a little bit about Isaiah 53. Huh. He'd have been like, well, can we read a different verse? <laughs> I have my outline from a different verse of the Bible. No. He began at that scripture, right there. Oh, that's a good place to begin. Beautiful place to begin. That's a gospel preacher's dream if somebody came to the door. Imagine knocking on somebody's door. I've just been reading, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself. Or some other man. And Philip begins at that scripture. And he preaches unto him. Jesus. Oh. Jesus. Back then. People in, the, in Jerusalem. And people in the day. They would have known. Isaiah 53. They would have thought at least. I don't think they think that way anymore. But I think back then. They would have thought at least. That that's speaking about the Messiah. That's speaking about the Christ. This one who is coming to reign. But that's not talking about this man who was executed those years ago on a cross. But Philip preaches unto him. He speaks to him about Jesus. You see, here's a man. He's spent. He's trying everything to find satisfaction. And he can't find it in any kind of fame or money or influence. But there's a scripture that has the answer. But here's his problem now, and it's probably your problem. He doesn't understand what the scripture means. You know what Philip does? He doesn't try to persuade him with his great personality. He doesn't try to wow him with his great stories. He doesn't try to alliterate him to death. (laughs) Philip says now, let me just tell you what the verse means. And he preaches to him from the verse, Jesus And all Philip's job is, is to explain to that man what that verse means. Because if that man can feel the dent of Scripture, then the light will go on. And so Philip begins. It doesn't tell us what all he did, but I imagine he would tell us who this man was. Who was Jesus? God's only son? Creator of heaven and earth? I imagine he would tell him Why it was that Jesus would have to be like a sheep to the slaughter. Why it was that he would have to be like a lamb, dumb before his shears. Why he was cut off. Why his life was taken from the earth. Do you know why Jesus died? Do you know why? Do you know why he was like a sheep that was led to the slaughter? The Bible says this. Once in the end of the age, he appeared. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What Johnny has been speaking to you, this great problem of sin, that is so within us, it affects our minds, it affects our desires, our hands, our tongues, everything about us tainted by sin. God had one answer. His son. His son would have to sacrifice himself. Not to help deal with the problem of sin. It says to put away sin. To destroy, to eradicate sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so what he did was he went to the cross. And just like you and I were like sheep who went astray, just like you and I were like sheep who did our own way, he was led to the cross as a lamb. A lamb who never went astray. A lamb who never went his own way. But he hung there for the sins of the world. And the Bible tells us so simply, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for the ungodly. We were helpless to deal with it ourselves. Everything we would do would be stained with sin. But, but that's why he came. And here's a treasure an Ethiopian man, he's sitting in his chariot. And he says, that man who came those years ago, he went to a cross, he suffered for sin. Sin is the problem, sin is the the thing that has left me empty. He has suffered for sin. And then Philip tells him, not only did he suffer, not only did he suffer, but he died. And after he died, God has raised him from the dead. And God is satisfied with the Lord Jesus when it comes to sin. God has said, his sacrifice is enough. I'm satisfied with him. That's all I need. That's all I want. Nothing more will do. And in one meeting with one preacher, the man is transformed. You say, I thought, you know, I thought I have to go to meetings for two weeks to be saved. I thought I had to go to many, many, many gospel meetings and hear many different kinds of preachers. And this, this year on Stark Road, they're inviting people from all over the world, so maybe that'll help. And I'm trying to go all over and just, 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 just get as, as much information as I can so finally I can be If you understand what the Word of God says and place your confidence in it, Listen, we, we, start, we, we said that, didn't we, last week? He that hears my word and rests on God who said it and sent me has eternal life. And Philip, at that, or the eunuch, this Ethiopian man, at that moment, he's saved. He understands this. If God is satisfied with the issue of my sin on this sacrifice, on this lamb, I am satisfied. One of the reasons I love this story was after I was saved, I was saved as well through Isaiah 53. Personally, I think you guys have room somewhere for the, that verse on the wall here. I can see a little bit of space. I, I was saved through that verse. And I thought to myself, shortly after, somebody said, you know, Isaiah 53 was actually written for the Jews. Oh, I'm not a Jew. And I thought to myself, maybe it has no relevance to me. I'm a, I'm a poor man, not from Ethiopia, but I'm a little man from India. And then I read the story in Acts chapter 8. A man from Ethiopia, a verse from Isaiah 53, saved. And I thought, hey, (laughs) hey, there it is. No, I like what Johnny said the other day. The truth does not fear investigation. And you look into it, and every time it comes out, settled forever, sin's tremendous claim, glory to Jesus, blessed be his name. And so the man was settled. If God is satisfied on the issue of my sin with this sacrifice, I am satisfied. If God is satisfied with this cure, I am satisfied. And he took it. Well, the story does continue, doesn't it? This whole bit about baptism. You see, one of the things that happened in those days, and it happens still today, not always just as instantly as that. But one of the things they did out of appreciation, out of devotion, out of obedience, was when they learned that this man has died for me, they thought, I must link myself not just with him, but I must express it. I must tell everybody, I am no longer this old man, this old treasurer. I am now a new man. And so he goes into the water and Philip takes him down and he puts him into the water. And the Ethiopian man was saying, I've died with Christ. All treasure is done. Now I'm living with Christ. He is my savior. He is my Lord. And then something very strange happens. Expendable, right? Philip's gone. Just gone. And the preacher who was sent. And the treasurer who was spent. And the scripture had left its dent. And now that he finds the answer. You know what it says at the end? He rejoicing went. You say, I didn't know Dr. Seuss was preaching today. (laughs) He rejoicing. Went. You know, when somebody receives Christ, there is always rejoicing. There are people who have received Christ in very difficult circumstances. I heard a story just recently of a, of a lady from the country I come from, a Hindu, and when she was saved, when she began, when she understood that Jesus was the Christ, He was the person they were talking about. Her husband and her two boys, they were young. They didn't mind. Jesus is your God, that's fine. But there came a day where she also was going to be baptized. And now she was telling them, he's not just a God, he is the God. And I am linking myself with him. Her husband, he was a successful man in the village. She herself had a good job. She was fired from her job. Her husband viewed that act as an unforgivable sin. As far as he was concerned, she was dead. And so what they did in that, in that religion is they took her clothes as if she was dead, and they would burn them and throw them in the river, the Ganges River. And so they did that on a Sunday afternoon. They took her clothes, they took some of her belongings. The man with his two boys, they throw it into the river, and they're burning them in the Ganges River. And about a mile down the river, here's a young woman. And she's stepping into the water. And she's going to get baptized. Back then, she had a Hindu name. And so many of the Hindus, when they come out of the water, they change their name. They no longer want to be linked with the old Hindu gods and all that. They want to have a new name. And so all her friends on the shore were calling out to her. What's your new name? She said, call me Grace. Call me Grace. I tell you, no matter how difficult the circumstance is, when a person receives Christ, there's always rejoicing. You know, there's some of you here, and you can find some little bits of joy in the in the football game. Did that satisfy you? Did your team win whatever it was, 50 to 0? Was that good? That gave you a good buzz? What about next game? And the next one? And some of you find good, good things with... Uh, with parties and fun, but at the end of it, there's no real joy. There's people here, young men and young women, and you're, you're miserable. There's no joy. There's no purpose. There's no joy that's lasting, that's unshakable. Tonight in this gospel meeting, you can receive the joy that nothing can steal away. If you were to get cancer, that wouldn't steal it away. If you were to lose loved ones, that wouldn't steal it away. Oh, the joy that Christ can give. You say, how can it If you let the scriptures make a dent in your heart tonight, the scripture that Johnny has read, we are sinful to the core. But I hope you will allow the scripture that I have read tonight. There has been one sacrifice that has settled sin forever. Christ has died for our sins. Let's pray.